Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. It's good to see everybody here. Welcome again to OCC. Have you ever seen this? You're driving down the road, you've got to get somewhere, and it's just nothing but red lights. It seems like it's always when I need to get somewhere on time, need to go to an appointment. But on the way there, I hit traffic lights all the way there, and and sometimes these red light intersections where there's a camera making sure you're not creeping past the line. Nobody likes that. This is the worst when you're in a hurry. What do you do when you see these lights? What does this mean? We don't know what it means, huh? <laughs> it's all up for grabs at this point. For most part, this means what? Speed up, right? No, I, I, a yellow light is actually a warning light. Did you know that? It's been a long time since you took driver's ed, driver's training, but this light actually means, hey, it's about to turn red, so don't speed up. It's like slow down. This is like a caution. Now, we all know this, but we also know if we slow down, then we're going to have to stop and wait. And so now we're stuck and we can't move forward. And this is actually how making decisions works for most of us. We don't like seeing the, the yellow light, the slow down light. And in life, we usually prefer only one color for our decisions, green. Green, which means go. I'm going for it. I've got a, de- I've got a decision. I've locked on to what I want to do. And, and I want green lights. I don't want anything but that. So today and in this series, we're looking at how not to make a blunder of our decisions. We're looking at and dissecting the components of bad decision-making from some passages of Scripture. Uh, and this morning, in particular, we're looking at this part of bad decision-making and how that is attached to refusing wise counsel. Wise counsel allows us to see our life beyond just green lights. Wise counsel can actually signal the yellow lights or the red lights, those warnings to slow down or to stop. We, we don't like that, but these things are extremely important. This brings us to the story of a man named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was the fourth king of Israel. He's a guy that we all know his name and his story, right? No, we don't. <laughs> he's, not, he's not like Moses. He's not Moses and Joshua. Those are really well-known leaders. God used those men in some mighty ways. After Moses and Joshua, you have a period that's known as the period of the judges, where God would use these leaders to deliver God's people from oppressive uh, invading armies, and after the period of the judges, Israel told God, the people you know, of God said, God, we want a king. Everyone else around us has a king. Why can't we have our own king? And so there begins this period of the kings, and the first king uh, was named Saul. He wasn't a good king. Uh, he, he made some bad decisions. And after Saul was a man named David, and David he wasn't a perfect man. He made some big mistakes, but he is actually known as the greatest king of, of Israel. His son was an, a man, the third king, named Solomon. Solomon was known for his incredible wisdom. People marveled at his wisdom, came for miles to listen to him talk. He had a uh, breadth of understanding and, and insight. And after Solomon died, uh, the kingdom went to a man named Rehoboam, the fourth king of Israel, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Now, this was like a famous dynasty. You go from David to Solomon to Rehoboam, 
And it, it really is. How could you possibly mess this up? I mean, under, under David and under Solomon, Israel experienced progress and prosperity. And so the kingdom being handed to this new son, Rehoboam, was like on a silver platter. You've got an opportunity here. Uh, but Rehoboam managed to really, really mess things up with a foolish decision this legacy came crashing down. So I want to look at that story. It's in 1 Kings chapter 12. It'll be here up on the screens. If you brought a Bible, you can follow along in the Bible. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at most of the first 19 verses. So it, it begins with this. It, it reads that Rehoboam went to Shechem, and that's just a, a town that had significant history in, in, uh, amongst God's people. God spoke to Abraham there, Jacob there, the bones of a man named Joseph, uh, some key patriarchs, there was some important things that happened at Shechem. And so Rehoboam, the new king, goes to Shechem for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. This is the, the right town to crown the new king, essentially. And in verse 3 it says, And the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, these are all the people of Israel, you, they said, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. The, the people come to this new king with a request. You're, you're beginning to, to lead us. Would you begin your reign with an act of kindness and consideration for your country's workforce? We basically, under Solomon's rule and reign, we built a temple. We've worked hard for your father. Would you show kindness and, and sort of like ease the pressure that we have been experiencing. Verse 5, Jeroboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. And so the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. And he asked these wise elders, How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. And they replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. These well-known advisors basically say, hey, here's your chance to secure the loyalty of your people and, and make some big picture progress for all. Like saying, listen up. Where are we at? Verse 8. Verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who'd grown up with him and were serving him. He asks them, this, this younger group, what is your advice? How, how should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? And then verse 10, it reads, the young men who had grown up with him replied, tell these people who said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. It's like saying, power up. You thought he was tough? Tell him, I'm so much, I'm, I'm so much more powerful. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid a heavy burden. Go ahead and, yeah, my father laid on you a heavy yoke and I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. And it says, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, come back to me in three days. 
And the king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the younger men and said, My father, this is what he said to them, My father made your yoke heavy. I'll make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Can you believe it? So the king didn't listen to the people. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? They're basically rejecting. Most of the people are rejecting him. What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's sons? They're basically saying, Go to your tents, O Israel. Look after your own house, O David. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, the southern towns, Rehoboam still ruled over them. King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. And then verse 19, so all Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. This action, we're going to look back at what specifically he did. This action divided the kingdom. From this point forward, there would now be the northern kingdom of Israel who would be loyal to their own king, a different one, and then the southern kingdom of Judah, loyal to Rehoboam. But this action divided the kingdom into two. And so I want to highlight three bad decisions that we learned from Rehoboam. So here they are. Number one, he scorned the counsel of the wise. To scorn something means you treat it with low value. This is what he did. He scorned the wisdom of the elders that had consulted his father. When he went to seek out the wisdom of those men, their counsel was not what he wanted to hear. Look again at verses 7 and 8. It says, They replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice that the elders gave him. He rejected, he scorned the, the counsel of the wise. Instead, he consults the young men who'd grown up with him and were serving him. These were, these were, the text even implies, the word in the original language implies a really young group of people. Some of them ha- may have been much younger than him. So he goes to this younger, immature group and, and, and takes their advice over the advice of the elders and follows their advice. You see, he wanted peace, he wanted prosperity, but not at the cost of his own comfort and convenience. So this word in verse 8 of rejected just means to depart from something or to, to leave. And so he just wanted nothing to do with the wisdom of these elders. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to the fact that where you're like, ah, I don't know if I really want to check in with someone that might know more than me on this. I mean, have you ever wanted something so bad that as people start giving you other points of view... You know, you're just like, it's going in one ear and out the other, almost immediately. That's what happens here. It says he rejected the counsel of the wise. It's not what he wanted. It's not what we want sometimes. And so we just flat out reject the insight of others. Those wise advisors were giving King Rehoboam really good advice. They're saying, look, slow down, yellow light. Look out for these people. They've built this place. Look out for them. Take care of them. Consider their request. But and he's like, man, I want none of that. Which really leads us to the second lesson here, is he sought counsel that fed his pride. He rejected the counsel of the wise, and he sought out the input, the advice, the counsel that really sort of fed his ego and his pride. So he goes straight 
from the wise counsel to his friends who told him really what he wanted to hear. Look again what, what they said. He asked them, what is your advice? Now, can you imagine he's going to maybe a group of young teenagers, maybe even. Maybe some in their 20s, but he's, he's, he's departed the, the advice of the wise people that are known for their wisdom. And he goes to this younger group and he says, what do you guys think I should do? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the, the yoke your father put on us? The young men who'd grown up with him replied, tell these people who said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. You see, Rehoboam already thought his big ideas and his approach were best. It almost appears like seeking wise counsel for him was probably more of a formality. Oh, I, I know I should do this. So I'm going to go to the elders first. And okay, thank, thank you, elders. He wanted people to feed his selfishness, his pride, his cruelty, and really not question his motives. And he, he really wanted that, hey, whatever makes you happy, group of people. Or, or do whatever you think is best. And we, we can do this as well. Why? Well, it's because our guidance system, our heart, is faulty. Look at what the scripture teaches about the heart of, of people. This is all of our hearts. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there's madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Our culture actually teaches all sorts of things about the human nature, but what our culture fails to highlight is this, that all of our hearts are infected with the sin of pride. It's something we have to keep battling down and battling back and beating down all of our lives, our, our pride. There's a constant pull downward towards pride, which should make us hesitant towards just blindly following our hearts. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It's, the heart is, is, is wicked, is deceitful. You can't trust it. Don't think, ah, oh, not my heart. Their heart, yeah. His heart, her heart, yeah, I see that. Everyone sees that. Not my heart. Well, you've been deceived. The heart is to see. We can't see it. It's almost like the definition of deception is you don't realize it's happened to you. Who can know the heart? Well, God. God understands and knows our heart. He alone can fix our heart. Other people can actually see things in, in us that we don't see even. So like Jeroboam or Rehoboam, we're tempted to seek out people who would just feed our pride rather than confront our pride. We can lose everything we hope to gain. And even more, look at the third lesson from this story. He had already decided what he wanted to do. He, did, he decided, now the text doesn't specifically state this, but I think it's a fair conclusion. He had already decided what he was going to do. And when we abandon wise counsel or ignore warnings from those who love us and who care about us, isn't it because we already know what we what we really want we ignore the warning about a harmful relationship people are saying hey slow down that's is that really a good relationship are you ready for this we don't like the yellow we don't like the red lights or we blow past questions about our decisions related to our finances we really really want to buy something and and we know we can't afford it but we're going to make it work and and someone else you know, can see that, and we, we just, man, I don't, I don't want your input. 
or we check out when someone tells us to think about another angle or a different point of view. It's almost like you can see the body language shifting when someone is, is going dark and not receiving counsel. Why? Well, because we want it so bad and we don't want to slow down. We only want green lights. And so what do we do with this? Let's spend the rest of our time looking at how to make good decisions. To make a good decision, essentially, we need to surround ourselves with, with the right people and avoid input from the wrong people. I mean, if you take nothing else away from this morning, to make good decisions, surround yourself with the right people and avoid the input from, from wrong people. We need, we need to understand who should be speaking into our life. Most companies have a board of advisors, a board of directors. Uh, they're, they're those folks that they have good sense, they have experience, and they give, like the CEO, they'll give the CEO the information that, that the CEO needs to see to keep the company moving forward and on track. They provide research, resources, time. They make time because they care about the direction of the organization. Schools have boards for this purpose. Churches have boards for this purpose. City government has, you know, there's groups that give advice to the people that are making decisions. And if companies have board of directors and school districts and all that, then shouldn't we as individuals have like a personal board of directors, people that we would say, they should sit on my board and give me input because I need their input. There are people that have driven down the road of the, you know, the same decision that, that we're approaching. They understand that. And so ask, ask yourself, do I have a personal board of directors? You may have never thought about this, but who should sit on your board? Fortunately, the Bible actually tells us both who should sit on the board and who shouldn't sit on the board. So now let's start with who should not sit on our board of directors. There's some people that the scripture would say you want to avoid their input in life. I want to show you a clip from two very popular actors Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. And there's some advice give, being given in this, in this clip. This is like at the beginning of like a, an Emmy or an Oscar or some award that's about to be given away. That might be the same. Of, uh, worldly Woody wisdom, one of them. All right. So it's late last year. I had a little problem come up in my life, a conflict, something I had to deal with that I didn't want to deal with, but it was hard to deal with, and I had to. So I go to my friend Woody, thoughtful man and friend. I said, Woody. You know, you always seem to keep it pretty, pretty cool. What, what do you do when you got a problem or a conflict that comes up in your life? Being my good friend, he thinks about it for a minute. He lowers his head for about 15 or 20 seconds. And he looks back up to me and looks right in my eyes, deep into my soul. And he says, I just forget about it. <laughs> That's true. This is incredible how you do that. It works. It really does work. I want to offer that to all of you. <laughs> Interesting. If, I, if I'm trying to figure out how to become a better actor, presenter, you know, I might ask him to sit on my board of, of directors. But probably for the major decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think twice probably about seeking out Great insight and wisdom from Woody. <laughs> because if, if I'm going through something really hard, just forget about it isn't what I need to hear at that point. 
So, so the scripture says, here, here's an overview of some of the people that shouldn't be on our boards. Number one, it, it, and really the, the major area, reject the, the counsel of fools. There are some folks you just do best to avoid in your decision making. For Rehoboam, it was a group of immature people. People that were lacking the insight that he needed to advise him as, as the new leader, ruler. So scripture highlights a few categories to steer clear from. Number one, flatterers. Flatterers. People that flatter you with compliments and shower you with compliments. Uh, maybe you have a relative that, that, can, that you can do no wrong in their eyes. You have a relative like that? They, everything you do is great. I mean, I, I, I had a relative that was... I, I wanted input at points. And, and in my teenage years, even college, I would go and I'd, hey, I'm, I'm thinking through this. And, you know, and, and the reply I always got from, from this relative was, that's nice. She sort of pat me on the back. I'm like, anything else? That's nice. I needed more than that. It's sort of like, you can do no wrong, Josh. Go ahead, whatever you feel. Flattery can damage us. Look at Proverbs 29.5. Here's a picture. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. The path that you're planning to walk down, has it likely has some holes in it, and you need to know where those holes are. But a flatterer will just lay things out, and you don't see that there's holes in your great plan. So you want to avoid that. Another group to avoid counsel from, Scripture calls sluggards. Sluggards, or you might say a person with a lazy streak. Uh, When people are always looking for an easier way in life, then I'd be suspicious about their ability to give you great insight in your Uh, decision-making. Proverbs 22, verse 13, the sluggard says, There's a lion outside. Or, I'll be murdered in the streets. Now imagine you had something really hard you had to do and you needed a friend to help you. Maybe you needed to move. And you're like calling your friends and the friend's like, you know what, There's, there, might be a, there might be a bad dog in the streets. I can't take the risk today. There might be a lion out there. There might be a murder in the streets. Have you, have you considered that? Well, the, the I don't want to get up and do anything approach to life, the the I don't want to do hard things in life. I'm not going to bother in life. You want to listen to the patterns and then evaluate what, with what they're communicating. If I, if I lock on to their advice, where, where might that lead me? Here's an example of it. It's sort of a funny example from a, uh, from a movie. So here's an example of the sluggard pattern. First of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come talk to you on career day. Now, I am not Mr. Carl Peterson, and I don't have a career per se. I guess you could say my career is living and loving, and I do that to the utmost. Is she coming? Keep going? I see all you fresh-faced kidlets sitting there in your neat little rows, and you're all just pods, pods, waiting for your instructions. Now, some of you are going to get zapped right away and be 15-year-old prodigies, little midget Olympic gymnasts with their pictures on cereal boxes. Some of you will go on to college, and you'll find your rhythm there, and then go chase down the titans of industry, or maybe straighten out our problems at the U.N., But some of you, and this is the group that no one ever comes into career day and addresses, and it's criminal. Some of you are just going to float along. 
eating spicy foods, languishing. This group of pods is going to do a lot of languishing. And you're going to take some heat for it. Sadly, you will. Europe's a little easier. I seem to understand a little better. So South America. I went to Argentina one time, and everyone just seemed to be sitting around. It was beautiful. But that's okay. Stay loose. Stay liquid. Laugh a lot. But be ready. That's what Dupree's doing with his life's little pod. Staying nimble. Until I get the call from the mothership. I resume the dot. Then I bite. Then you'll see Dupree coming in here throwing seven different kinds of smoke. Odds that we're supposed to hear this did, it'll kick in when it needs to. I'm done here. It'd probably make our friendship life, you know, really entertaining to have a friend like that. But again, the sluggard won't have the right reflexes to give you good insight, good solid input when you need it. Here's another one is uh, rebels, people with a rebellious streak. This this verse here is pretty self-explanatory. People with a rebellious streak are not trustworthy source. They shouldn't sit on your board of directors for giving you advice. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Uh, the word for correction here is the it's the idea of rebuke. They people say, "Hey, stop, stop! You're hurting yourself with this approach," but they just ignore that. They go on their way. They stiffen their neck. They're committed to going their own way in life. You don't want to surround yourself with and get, get input. Now, it doesn't mean you write these people off. That's not what, what, what we're saying. It's not what I'm saying. You can reach out. You can pray. You can care for people. You can relate to people. But you just shouldn't. They shouldn't be sitting on your board of advisors, your board of directors. That's going to damage. To do so would be foolish. Instead, you want to seek out the counsel of the wise. You want to get input and insight from those that are wiser. Sometimes we know we should do this, but something inside of us is telling us to avoid certain people. We, their input is tough. It's hard. It's, it causes us to think, and we're like, uh, just when we have this avoidance towards certain people, then that should, you know, like a dashboard warning light signal, there's a problem. Why am I avoiding this person? Uh, let's look at how, how to get wise counsel on the back side of your listening guide. Number one, don't finalize your plans until you've sought wise counsel. So when you're making decisions, think pencil, not pen. I mean, write down your plans like here's my sense of what I think I need to do, but write it down in pencil. Watch the contracts. Watch the commitments. Sometimes even ask the question like, when do you need to make this decision by. If someone comes and asks you for input, ask that question. Hey, when do you need to know the answer? Or when do you need to make a decision? Sometimes people call me the same day that a decision, a major decision has to be made, and it's, it's almost too late to give input at that point. Proverbs 20, verse 18, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. And so the point here is some decisions are going to have like a domino effect, into our life and many other lives, and so you want to get good input. Wiser people 
can help us see aspects that we're just not seeing. And so we need input from those who have a, a breadth of experience. The same is true with career decisions, financial decisions, relational decisions. You just need good input. But don't formalize. You know, when you're include others while you're still setting, while you're while you're still making the decision, not after you've already set course for the decision. Also, approach the wise in humility. This is a challenge for all of us. This is what Rehoboam didn't do. Look at verse ten. The young men who'd grown up with him replied, "Tell these people who said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist." Again, this would have been the right time for Rehoboam to humble himself and not exalt himself, but instead he's trying to make a name for himself, and the advice that they gave him just fueled his ego and his pride. Basically, Rehoboam, you're the man. We believe you're the man. And they, they're siding with him because they're friends with the, with the king. And they see themselves like in a pretty sweet position to be that close to a, a powerful ruler. Proverbs 15, verse 12, a mocker resents correction he will not consult the wise some just some people just will not approach wiser people a pastor uh, jim white he, he basically said that he has observed a very predictable pattern in people's lives the greater he says the greater the arrogance and the pride the fewer the advisors and counselors the greater the arrogance and pride the fewer the advisors and counselors it takes humility to admit that, hey, I don't have all the answers and I need more input. So here's a third final point here. Seek the truth, not just what you want to hear. Seek out the truth. The truth is your friend, and your friends need to care enough to share the truth with you. Proverbs 27, verse 6, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It sometimes really, really hurts to hear the honest truth, but oh, how we need to hear the truth. The truth can save us years of pain. Sometimes we seek the input of others, but it's not, it's not what we want to hear, and so we just reject it. We don't receive the input. So before you call a person for input or sit down with them, ask God, God, give me a neutral heart. God, keep me open to their input right now. Keep me willing to hear a different angle or a different perspective. This whole aspect of decision-making, seeking out wise counsel, is a game-changer. Now, it doesn't mean you just hand over your life to committees of people who rule your life and tell you what to do. It doesn't mean you can uh, escape personal responsibility. No, the decision is your decision to make. But this is a game-changer. To, to understand how counsel, how wise counsel can can serve in your life, this could just open up insight and perspective and wisdom that just might save your life. So where do you find this? Where do you find wise counsel? Some of you are here and you're students and you're young and and you have a lot of information coming at you. You need someone to help you interpret that information. And you need a board of advisors. You need people that can help you process the decisions about relationships, about commitments, about opportunities that are coming your way, about obstacles and God, God has given you parents who love you. Seek out their input. Also, God has given you leaders in the ministry here, people who love you, who want what's best for you, who want you to, to understand 
life from God's perspective, seek out those leaders here. But, but you have to ask. Don't think, well, no one came and told me I shouldn't have done that. If they would have told me, I might have listened. You actually have to ask. Some of us are parents, and, and, and you can feel stuck and tired. And so, parents, you need input. Rather than just staring at choices and decisions and arriving at the same conclusions, get wise input. Some of us in this room are facing big decisions about our jobs, about our marriages, about relationships, about finances, and you're trying to figure out how should I spend the next year and the next decade of of my life, and and sitting all around you and across from you in this room are people who have driven on those roads and have navigated them wisely. Some people in here have, have stories about mistakes that they've made, and they would be happy to share you, you know, and to save you the pain of some of the decisions they've made. They want to save you time and, and money and 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 the strain and pain of bad decisions. And so seek out wise advisors to sit on your personal board and avoid really the mistakes that this King Rehoboam made. Imagine imagine the benefit of a year of better choices. Imagine a decade of better choices, of wiser choices. Now imagine the cost of not getting good advice. If you don't get good advice, as we as we looked at last week, when it comes when it comes to short term thinking, it's sort of like this: the Ferris wheel. Don't let pride and selfishness or fear keep you on the Ferris wheel of bad decisions. Why do I keep making these bad decisions? This is one of those areas where God has provided insight so we could step off the Ferris wheel. And make real progress in life. I want to invite our worship team back up to the stage. And, and, and I hope that this message on counsel, I hope that it has brought to your mind some specific areas where you'd say, okay, this is great timing because I'm approaching this major decision. I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrestle through something really difficult, and this is coming a good time. So I, I hope that's been the case. Here's a few next steps to consider. Memorizing that one of those verses... Proverbs 20, verse 18. Maybe, maybe look through the listening guide and think, I need to commit a verse to memory. This is a great one to commit to memory. Also, identify a decision that I need wise counsel on. Or third, begin the process of identifying some advisors in your life who can speak into the big decision that you're facing right now. So let, let's go to the Lord as we, as we pray, and we'll continue. Father, thank you for this time that we've been together. Thank you for your love and your kindness. Thank you for this uh, group that wants to know how to approach life in the best way. And I know some are here and have decided to follow you, Lord Jesus. And they've yielded life to you. Uh, they're, they're, they're wanting to yield daily uh, the choices that, that come. And they're wanting to know your way, the best way. And so, God, I pray you would uh, grant help and wisdom and ideas of people to include in our life and our decision-making process. And for those that are here that are investigating you and and they're curious about Christianity, and, and, uh, Father, for those that are here that need uh, to really clarify what it means to know you and relate to you, God, I pray that you would continue to draw their hearts, that they would come to a place where they would yield all of life to, to, to Jesus. God, we thank you for the work you're doing in our lives, in our church. Thank you for the launch of, of small groups this, this uh, 
last week. I pray for those that are still maybe considering that. But this message really is a good nudge, God, for us to consider uh, jumping into a, a group here at OCC and to connect with people, to begin this process of seeking out wise input. Father, we thank you for your word, how it speaks so clearly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.